Looks like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Jake Rip. That is at JakeTakesFF on Twitter. And recently dubbed the Excellence of Execution, I believe, if I didn't botch that by our good friend Memphis over at the Dynasty War Zone. And uh, I like that one. I think I'm really going to lean into it. But uh, as always, we are joined by the creator of this prestigious fantasy football podcast. You know him. You love him. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. That's Kyle Month Number Eight. He's Kyle August. What's up, man? Well, Jake, thanks for the. Uh, I, I don't. Hopefully, everybody loves me. I or, or else, uh, and I don't know what they're doing here. But maybe you clicked play by mistake. It's all good. That wasn't anything near the intro that you gave me last week. But I could only try my best. So you know, we can only improve from here. Hey, I appreciate it, man. And and I, I ex excellence. Of execution. Now I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to practice that one. Thanks, Memphis. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have to make sure that Memphis does come up with a moniker for you. I know that that's on deck. Coming up soon. He's good at that. So, quick PSA: If you have not yet heard, this show is now available as part of the Dynasty Warzone Fantasy Football Network. Meaning, we will be streaming live on YouTube every Monday night on the Dynasty Warzone channel. Also, meaning you're going to want to subscribe to the flagship Dynasty Warzone show, where on top of receiving the Fantasy Football Smackdown on every Tuesday, you'll also get a weekly dose of Memphis, who we just had on last week to discuss the impact of all these off-season coaching changes and uh, the impact that they're going to have on fantasy football in 2021 and moving forward. So uh, if you missed that show, go back, check it out. Do us a favor, drop us a review. Let Memphis know on the DWZ show what you think of the fantasy football smackdown. Let them know how awesome uh, Kyle August is and Jake Rip, and, uh, and, and we'll keep on pedaling from there. Uh, uh, typically, our show covers fantasy football from more of a redraft perspective. We've talked about it before, but considering we are now in the end of February, not a whole ton of news out there as far as fantasy football is concerned. So today's show... We'll take on a little more of a uh, dynasty approach uh, as Kyle and I are going to share slash debate slash argue our dynasty startup rankings uh, prior to free agency in the draft. Plenty of things are still going to change, but uh, just to get kind of an idea and gauge where we're at so far. Uh, so we'll roll through the top 12 at each position. I'm going to tell Kyle where he's wrong in his rankings. Kyle will then go back, recalibrate, and then he'll be <laughs> back next week. Uh, to give you his new rankings. How's that sound, bud? <laughs> yeah, well, it always, it never fails, man. Whenever I talk to rankings or I'm going through it, like I could sit down, do rankings. The next day I sit down to, you know, just to look back at what I, all my fine work. I'm like, ah, damn it. I, you know, really, I think I got to move him up a spot or two. So I have no doubt that there will definitely be some things that come out of this that I will, you know, move and shake just a bit. But this this should be fun because it is right in the heart of of dynasty startup season and and dynasty season as a whole. Absolutely, man. I'm definitely starting to get that startup itch. It starts to come rolling in around February where I got to start seeing where other people are and their dynasty perspectives. Uh, but before we get into, into the uh, meat and potatoes of this show, there's a little bit of news uh, that happened last week. The Carson Wentz news. The Eagles have traded former second overall pick Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that could turn into a first round pick. So now I'm curious, Kyle, what you think is, is the effect on the Colts pass catchers because I'm not sure this is a huge upgrade from Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers, he gets bagged on a lot um, for his age, where he's at in his career. But in 2020, completed 68% of his passes, threw for over 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns. It's not great from a fantasy perspective if you had him as your quarterback but he's very serviceable for a Colts offense that has a lot of you know, solid skill position players. Uh, so do you think the addition of Carson Wentz is a plus for guys like Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, whoever is the tight end? Yeah, I, I think that you know his familiarity with this system, Frank Wright coming from uh, Philadelphia and working with Carson Wentz in the past, that should be a plus. Um, I think you nailed it right on the head though. Like, Philip Rivers wasn't necessarily a fantasy asset over the last even year or two, 
but you knew what you were getting from him. You knew that the the running back was going to see a ton of looks, right? You knew the tight end would be involved. And we saw that, you know, unfortunately the coaches had too many damn tight ends, so we couldn't put our finger on that. But Naeem Hines, you know, was, was really good in PPR. And obviously JT, once he got rolling, you know, they really leaned on that run game. I expect most of that to stay, you know, the same uh, as far as them leaning on the run game. You, their strength is JT and that offensive line. So I think Wentz can still be, you know, he was a fantasy asset still over the last couple of years, despite not being that MVP caliber player that we saw um, during that Super Bowl run. But I, I do think this is a maybe a, a slight bump, you know, for the, the outside pass catchers just because Rivers didn't push it down the field a whole lot. We do have some question marks still around T.Y. Hilton and whether he'll return um, this offseason. You know, I, I really liked Paris Campbell. They Then they paid a, a pretty high price for Pittman. I have him in a bunch of spots. So all in all, I you know, I, I feel better about I those players than I did a week ago when I had no idea who their quarterback could be. And they picked so late, they were going to have to either pay the piper to move up or, you know, deal with another free agent. So I liked the move all the way around. I thought it was a solid move for Indy. I, I really liked the outcome for, for those players. I don't think it was a massive, uh, you know, bump in value where I'm going crazy on the on these guys. But if I own them already, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, you know, it feels like it was a really good move for Carson Wentz because he was he's going from Philadelphia where this guy was getting pummeled. I mean, 50 sacks he took, he, he you know averaged out to just over four sacks a game this guy was taking. So just being surrounded by the Colts offensive line, that's a plus for him. I don't know if it's a plus for the Colts offense. You know, Carson Wentz as a quarterback, he's never been accurate for the majority of his NFL career. Uh, 17th in completion percentage in 2016. And then every year after that, 24th in completion percentage. Third in completion percentage in 2018, but then 17th and then 34th in 2020. Um, it, it's hard to imagine I'm going downward further than that. So I, I you know, I want to say that's uh, only only up from here for Carson Wentz as an individual. But yeah, uh, well, it, it stands to be seen how that uh, how that'll work out for the Colts pass catchers. Yeah, and I know uh, if you subscribe to the Warzone feed, which Jake already mentioned, and you should be, I know Memphis did a little solo act uh, with uh, him and Wentz sitting in a tree, I think was the Memphis and Wentz sitting in a tree was the name of the episode. I saw him popping up. That's why you got to stay subscribed. That's why you got to be uh, hit that uh, notification on uh, YouTube so you can see when Memphis decides just to fire up a podcast all of a sudden. And I know he was excited about this ad for his Colts. Uh, you know, I think this is really Probably about best case scenario that if you're a Colts fan, the fact that they were able to go for it last year with Rivers, give it one run, and still be a contender, I think, in uh, in 2021. So this will definitely be interesting. And and now all eyes turn to the Eagles and Hurts and what the hell they're doing there at number six in the draft. You know what? I got to imagine all Eagles fans are just praying, fingers crossed, do not take a quarterback. I've got to believe that's what they're thinking, right? I mean, you you want to have a receiver. They kind of squandered that opportunity last year when we all thought they were going to take Justin Jefferson and they ended up taking Jalen Rager, who you know, it stands to be seen how, how he's going to do for the rest of his career. But if they walk out of that draft with a Jamar Chase... Um, and, and then, you know, Jalen Hurts has weapons like Jamar Chase and now Jalen Rager, who would make for an excellent number two. I think that works out for Jalen Hurts. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on in the Philadelphia front office. So maybe they're not thinking the same thing that I'm thinking and they have their eyes on a prospect coming in. Um, remains to be seen, but uh, I'm on team Jalen Hurts. So we'll, <laughs> we'll let that be known. Uh, I, I'll, and I'm never on team anything Philadelphia Eagles as a Cowboys <laughs> fan, but from a fantasy perspective, I'm on, I'm on team hurts as well. Like I, I think he's going to be, you talked about it, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks with your Kunami code quarterbacks, it, he's the guy, man, he's going to yeah. be rushing. He's going to be a top 12 quarterback if he's the starter. And if they can add, you know, another weapon to that offense, you know, that's just going to help him out. Do you know the rest of the, you know, the rest of the guys around him at the receiver position and tight end, like, do we think that they could be all they, that they could have reached their potential with Jalen Hurts? I don't know. But for you know, for Miles Sanders getting a new head coach and hopefully not being a part of a committee anymore, and Hertz hopefully being able to do what he does best and rush the ball, you know, I, I think that's going to breed fantasy goodness in Philadelphia. But uh, we'll we'll see. I, I hope that not only does Philly go up and and they spend another pick on a QB. I hope they got to move up two spots to get it and burn some more picks. How about that? <laughs> I'm sure the Falcons would be willing to trade back. I wouldn't mind that happening. So we'll see. See. Fourth, fourth overall. 
There you go. See, Atlanta just trades back two spots. Still, they can they can pick up their player that they want there because as these quarterbacks get pushed into that top five, as a Cowboys fan sitting there at 10, I hope that four of these dudes go in the first nine picks. I want them all to cram up there because, you know, it pushes up the talent down. Well, if Arthur Blank and Jerry Jones would just let us negotiate these trades, then we could get something moving here. Tell me about it. Dak would have been signed to a contact extension two years ago, though. So Yes, CD Lamb <laughs> would be an Atlanta Falcon, but we don't have to get into that. Okay, maybe I do like the Atlanta front office. <laughs> well, that seems like a good segue, I think, to start talking about some dynasty rankings. And I want to do this a little unconventional. I feel like when people go into rankings, it's always, let's start with the quarterback. I want to get kicked off with some wide receivers. Because right. I think that's a good spot where we can st- talk some you know, good, basic dynasty strategy. Uh, so the way I'm going to do this is, uh, uh, instead of going through my top 12 wide receivers and then going through your top 12 wide receivers, because that's a lot of names to... Uh, Riddle off in a row. Uh, let's let's break it down with the, the first top six. So I'm starting off my top 12 dynasty wide receivers, ladies and gentlemen, with your wide receiver one. And you should love this Cowboys fan, Kyle August. It's C.D. Lamb, followed by A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill coming in sixth on my list. First for Kyle August, followed by DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, uh, Justin Jefferson, and AJ Brown. So we've got like the same players in that bunch, just kind of shuffled around uh, in, a, in a little bit of a different order. I was pleasantly surprised to see that you do, you don't have CD Lamb first like I do. I'm a little a bit ahead of the curve on you on that one. <laughs> but you do have him above Justin Jefferson. Um, was that a difficult decision for you to make, or is this a, a clear, or is this more of a coin flip since you have them, you know, one A, one B? Yeah, I think the in whether it was an intent, it was intentional or not. Like for me, my if I'm tearing out these these young wide receivers, like I kind of have the top six in a tier. Um, I think when you look at you know Tyree Killer, Devonte Adams, I got a little bit of age on them. Adams, I don't believe, is going to be twenty. He just turned twenty eight, I believe. Um, at the end of last season, he has, you know, he's obviously tied to Aaron Rodgers with an aging quarterback. Um, and then I believe he's a free agent after this year too. So there's some question marks around Adams, but he was obviously just a freaking monster. But when you talk about these young guys with Medcalf and Brown, the old miss guys, and then the, the, the sophomores now in CD lamb and Jefferson, they are really close. They're in a tier. You can take whichever one you prefer. I love, I love CD lamb because he's paired with, he's going to be paired with Dak Prescott. If you see all these stupid ass free agent lists and they have Dak Prescott in there, just, you can just leave that website. He is not a free agent. He will be franchise tagged at worst. He is going to be a Dallas Cowboy for a long period of time. And as long as CD lamb is there for sure. So I want my, I want my young wide receiver tied to a young, you know, a stud quarterback at least. And all of these wide receivers, you know, in my top four, they they have that. Um, so that's why I give Lamb just a slight edge over Jefferson. But uh, but man, I don't know if there's a hotter wide receiver than Jefferson right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I feel like the Dak Prescott thing cannot be understated. And that's why I do have C.D. Lamb up at the top uh, because I think he does present like a higher upside long term in Dallas in the Dallas offense uh, than Justin Jefferson does currently in the Minnesota offense. During the first five weeks of the season, while Dak Prescott was healthy, Lamb was on pace for 93 receptions and just under 1,400 yards. So those Justin Jefferson numbers were attainable if Dallas, if uh, if Dak Prescott's healthy the entire season. That's a small sample size to extrapolate over the entire season. Uh, but I have no doubt in my mind that that would have been attainable for C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. And despite the backup quarterback play that he had to deal with for the rest of the season. He still ended up coming just short of a thousand receiving yards as a 21 year old. You know, you look at CD lamb and Justin Jefferson and, and just the adversity that, um, that lamb had to battle as far as he, he joins an offense where there's already two pre-established wide receivers. CD lamb saw a target share much closer to what you'd normally see with a rookie wide receiver coming into the NFL an 18% target share. That's fine. That's good. Justin Jefferson saw a 25.8% target share, which is just stupid. (laughs) That's how you get 1,400 yards as a rookie. But if Dak is the quarterback of the future in Dallas, which we all anticipate and expect, and let's not forget, it's not impossible, and I'm, I'm curious your take on this, for Amari Cooper to be traded, because I know that Dallas does need some cap space, 
I think that they'd be more than happy with going forward with uh, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. Um, I, I mean, if this is the case, then what wide receiver on this list would you rather be invested in than C.D. Lamb? Yeah, with with Cooper, you know, he got a lot of pub because they signed him to the extension. At you know, he was one of many Cowboys that Jerry Jones decided to invest in long term, rather as Dak Prescott is just sitting there waiting for his. Uh, but Cooper's contract is in essence, it, you know, it was a, I think it was a five year, hundred million dollar deal total. Right. But really when you break it down and this is always important to do in dynasty, you look at the dead money, right? When, when's the guarantees run out? And in essence, it's a two year, $40 million contract after 2021, they could cut bait with Cooper, which in, you know, uh, by coincidence, that's the same time they have to make the decision on Michael Gallup. So who was, you know, a, I believe he was a third round pick. So they have him for four years. Both these guys are going to be, you have to make the decision on in 2022. Now, I think Cooper, for whatever reason, continues to kind of be a little bit, he, he's just, people are just burying him because he has had some disappearing act games, but he's so important to this Cowboys offense. I still think that Cooper was going to, you know, remain a Cowboy at least probably for another season or two. His, his cap number is a little bit high, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know that they'll take that route as far as to shed it the cap um, space that they always seem to need by getting rid of Cooper. But again, as I mentioned with the free agent list that include Dak Prescott, any list that has the Cowboys towards the top of teams with, with uh, salary cap money that doesn't include Dak Prescott and is probably 30, whatever, $4 million contract. that's going to eat up uh, most of that. So we will see, but I, I still love the Batman and Robin thing going on there. Um, but obviously we would give that crown to, to see the lamb right now in these rankings. I made a side note here that I wanted to talk about your wide receiver one because this drives me crazy, Kyle. And I see this in people's rankings because I just can't understand how Tyreek Hill is the number one wide receiver in dynasty football. Do you want to explain it to me before I go crazy here or should so, I just dive in? So part part of this, I'll, I'll give a little bit of background. Part of this might just be the saltiness at myself last year because I was in a startup and it was full PPR and I was staring and it was super flex, right? And I ended up getting uh pick 11. So I'll keep this story short, but I ended up, I traded a few picks. So I had pick 11, 12 and 13, but all the quarterbacks were gone. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to stack everywhere else. So I took Alan Kamara. I took Devonte Adams, my boy, King money. But then I was staring down Tyree kill and Deandre Hopkins. And I was like, you know, in PPR, I just feel like Hopkins is the better pick. He just sees more targets I don't care that he's moving somewhere else. I'm not going to take Tyreek Hill. And I already, I instantly regretted that. Like the second I made the pick, I tried so hard to like undo that via trades. I get that Tyreek Hill isn't necessarily the target monster that some of these other wide receivers are, but he's tied to the best quarterback in football. He will, he's not going anywhere. And he is the type of player that wins you weeks when he hits those big plays. It's, it's a, it's something that you really can't find anywhere else. Um, in the NFL. I just think he's that much of a difference maker, like straight up, like on a per game, you know, consistency ranking type thing. If, if consistency is Mario bag, you're probably not going to look for Tyree kill, but I love a player that when I plug him in my lineup, he could just go off on any moment. And all of a sudden he's scoring a 60 yard touchdown. And sometimes that said tongue in cheek with other players. It's not with Tyree kill. This dude is an absolute stud. So he's my, he's my wide receiver one based off of his game breaking ability and the fact that he is tied to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's you can't get better than that. Okay, well, then let me make my argument. For why I think it should be CeeDee Lamb uh, instead of Tyreek Hill because I do think this is kind of where two different strategies meet. You can take the, the Tyreek Hill approach. Uh, seems more like a win-now move. Or sure. CeeDee Lamb. But here's the thing. I still consider CeeDee Lamb to be a win-now move. I think he's going he's gonna to get 1,000 yards next year. Mm-hmm. But Tyreek Hill, to me, he's just he's he's like this ticking time bomb that I think the moment it blows, he's going to become untradeable. The appeal, like you said, right, is that he's the wide receiver one. He's tied to Pat Mahomes for the foreseeable future. But, you know, do you not think that Kansas City is going to maybe make a, a wide receiver investment in the 2021 draft for a, a loaded wide receiver class? Because right now, his only wide receiver competition, and we won't mention Travis Kelsey, his only competition at the position is Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman. And they both suck. <laughs> They're both bad. You know, if they went out and they drafted Rondell Moore, 
you know, this guy might be the younger, better version of Tyreek Hill. And that can happen as soon as this year. Uh, and, and another big reason that I'm off on Tyreek Hill, I don't want to say I'm off because he's what my my wide receiver six, wide receiver seven. Um, but, you know, what is his bread and butter? It's his speed. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to start asking ourselves, what is the longevity of a five foot ten, 27 year old wide receiver who relies on his speed to create separation in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know if we've ever seen someone Tyree kills size go well into his early thirties and still dominate at the, definitely not at the rate he's doing right now, but uh, at least to stay fantasy relevant, but Mahomes, he's going to be in the league for a long, long time. And he's going to produce a ton of uh, wide receiver ones in fantasy. So I don't think there's any reason to value Tyreek Hill as high as he is. Like he's a, a like he's attached to Pat Mahomes' hip for his entire career. I'm telling you, I think it could be as soon as next year or the year after that. And even if he doesn't fall off by then, next year people are going to already start asking questions. Like, okay, well now he's going to be 28, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, something that quick uh, scares me. Whereas Ceedee Lamb, uh, you know, in two years. I promise you, you're going to want CD lamb over Tyree kill. I'll put all the money in the world on it. A 23 year old CD lamb over an aging, uh, Tyree kill. But again, maybe this is just where our strategies differ. I, I totally, I totally get and the speed thing with any other receiver. I would, I always lean that exactly what you're saying. I think that Tyree kill is just so damn fast and quick that he could lose, a, he could lose two and a half steps and still be better than anybody that goes up against him. But um, I totally get it. Part of it could be, you know, when I'm looking at a dynasty rankings, um, you know, it, it is, you know, you do have to value age a bit. Um, I, I maybe don't lean as hard that direction as others. Um, the, but I will, I will, I will say this. I can almost guarantee you that Tyreek Hill could go out, put up 1800 yards and 10 touchdowns, and he will not be in people's top five next year because he's going to have that 28 next to him. And that just kills. I mean, look at look at Keenan Allen. There is no reason that people should be dogging him. But I saw some. I was I own him on a team. I was looking at what his value was in some trade calculators and stuff. I'm like this dude is buried. Like, why does everyone think that this yeah. receiver just turned to dust? So I mean, I think you, we've seen it with DeAndre Hopkins. He just had a great year again. He's still being valued less because of his age. Devonte Adams. I'm surprised in most circles that he's still this high just based off of age, I don't care. I'm willing to say, Hey, I'm getting at least two good, really, really damn good years out of them. And I'll let future Kyle deal with that other problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you, man. 100%. Bad for future Kyle, man. I feel like you really put him in some, some tough situations. Oh, that dude's screwed. Yes. <laughs> yes. That poor guy is just sweating and twitching and no, no, no first round picks for him and all aging, all aging players. F that dude. Right. Oh, hilarious. No draft picks and 30 year old wide receivers for days. Yes, sir. Uh, before we jump off wide receivers, there was one more guy. You know what? I didn't even go through our uh, bottom six here. So uh, I left off at Tyreek Hill as my sixth. After that, I have Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, Michael Thomas is still hanging around, and T. Higgins. Uh, for Kyle, it goes Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, exactly the same. And then the back three are different. Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, and Terry McLaurin all sneaking in there. Any of those bottom three you want to talk about that really stuck out to you that you said, I really, I got to get this guy in my top 12? Uh, right now, as we're talking this pre-free agency, Godwin is still a guy that I really, I do think he is really talented. Uh, he's super young still. He would be, he's the free agent wide receiver that I'm most interested in seeing where he ends up. Now, we saw a report today and we don't need We're not going to talk about it in depth, but like the lions might franchise tag Kenny Galladay. The franchise tag is the absolute worst freaking thing that ever was invented. When you talk about, you know, just from a fan perspective, you get these huge long lists of all these players and then they, no one goes anywhere. They just get tagged and then they get another year older and then they're crap, you know, because football just works too fast. Like if any play should have a franchise tag in sports, it should sure as hell shouldn't be the NFL. But whatever, uh, that'll never go away. That that uh, that gate's been opened. So I really like Godwin um, a lot. And then, like I said earlier with Cooper, like I again, this guy was a, the the wide receiver one like two years ago. He's still only twenty seven. I still really think he's extremely talented. I think he's going to be on the Cowboys for at least another year or or at least two years. So I'm going to keep him inside my top uh, twelve. But uh, I like how <laughs> we're pretty similar there with those uh, seven, eight, nine guys. 
Oh, yeah. Nailed them all right on the money. Yes. One guy I think you've got to get into your top 12, man. I can't get enough DJ Moore. He yeah. is absolutely going to be one of the quote-unquote my guys heading into 2021 and beyond. I want him in all my dynasty leagues. And what's beautiful about DJ Moore is, far, you know, right now, dynasty gamers are bored with DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. This guy was drafted with super high expectations, 24th overall in the 2018 draft. And he gives you just under 800 yards as a rookie. Fine. It's good. Uh, Then he gives you two consecutive years of 1,100 yards and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. It's good, but it doesn't jump off the stat sheet. It doesn't make you think, oh, he's going to have this next breakout year this next year. Uh, In 2020, he's overshadowed by Robbie Anderson. So, you know, I I do think he he does remain one of the more undervalued wide receiver assets in Dynasty. Carolina is not moving forward with Teddy Bridgewater. So whether it's Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Deshaun Watson or Sam Darnold, you know, any of these names would be improvements. If they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, that would be an improvement for DJ Moore. You know, this this dude hasn't even turned 24 and he has two 1,000 yard seasons under his belt with bad quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I think that he hasn't even begun to graze his ceiling yet. A lot, I think there's going to be a lot of good things in store for DJ Moore. Yeah, I have him at 15 in my rankings, which is further than we're going to go here. I do. I I think you're probably right. Like people are just kind of getting, you know, tunnel vision maybe a little bit with this guy because he just hasn't popped yet. And when and it stinks because you talked about he's been in the league for three years. What have we seen in those last three years? AJ Brown going berserk. Justin Jefferson setting records. DK Metcalf out here you know, with no shirt on, like all of these guys just jumped him all of a sudden. And so, but I think the time is now to buy DJ Moore. you know, he's sitting not many touchdowns. Those will come. And the quarterback situation, even if it's not this year, I think by next year, um, they'll be in a really good spot, you know, to, to change things up and give him his best QB ever. So I do really, really like the call. I own him on so many squads. So I'm definitely team DJ Moore. I like that you got him in your top 12. All right, we spent a lot of time on wide receivers. Let's move on to the running back position. And I get this one kicked off. This is a really bold take, Kyle, so hang on to your pants. <laughs> I think Christian McCaffrey is the RB1. I, again, I'm going to roll through the top six here. Christian McCaffrey, and then Jonathan Taylor, new face on the block, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, and Nick Chubb. Kyle's coming at you with, again, Christian McCaffrey at the top, followed by Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, uh, DeAndre Swift and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, for me, there is a, a tear break here. I, I see in my rankings, at least, the uh, McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. For me, that's the super RB tier right there. All three of these guys with super mega up receiving upside. And on top of that, they're, you know, just from an athletic standpoint, they're just, to me, so much better that I don't want to say so much better because there's there's talent on this board, but they're better. They're the best running backs on this board by far, those three. And no matter what situation they're in, just from a talent perspective, they're the best. Uh, you know, if you don't have CMC at number one, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> lock him in for 2,000 all-purpose yards. It's going to happen no matter who the quarterback is there. Uh, we got a small taste of Jonathan Taylor at the end of the season, which was enough to confirm to me that uh, that dude is well on his way to becoming the next best running back in the NFL he saw just a 50% snap share as a rookie. And even that's inflated because over the last six games, he saw a 61% snap share, which, you know, we, we all thought, oh man, he's getting the ball at the end of the season. That's still not very high. But over the first nine games of the season, he saw just a 43% snap share. He was on the field for just 43% of snaps over the first nine games. And to put that into perspective, Christian McCaffrey in his rookie season saw a 72% snap share. At the time, we all thought that was low. We thought Christian McCaffrey wasn't seeing a full workload, and he wasn't. You know, now he's seeing up the, those upper ninety level snap shares. Um, sorry, I lost my spot here. But uh, but Jonathan Taylor, with, with just that forty three percent snap share through the first half of the season, he's still able to come up with just under fifteen hundred all purpose yards, twelve total touchdowns. Uh, I think that he's just already proving he's in a league of his own from a talent perspective. And if they do start really giving him those touches, he's going to, no pun intended, run with those carries. <laughs> bad, bad pun. I wish I could. <laughs> this, this is where you really wish you had post-production editing. Yeah, well, not here, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on that, that tier break. Mine just includes Kamara. Uh, CMC, Kamara, JT, and Barkley for me is that tier. I'm, we met, we talked about a few weeks ago, like our lessons learned, like 
those are the only guys that I would consider, you know, if I'm picking at the end of round one in the sewer flex startup this, this summer, like other than that, see you later, I'm going to go head over to wide receiver and, and live there. Um, I mean, I looking at my wide, my running back five, and as your running back five is DeAndre Swift. Like I'm looking at my wide receivers. I mean, maybe after like he maybe be wide, he maybe come in at like ten. Like I'd probably take Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins ahead of Swift. Like I think that maybe those four guys in that tier one for me might just be the only running backs I'm taking in the first two rounds. Like I I get it, they're extremely valuable. You know, when you hit a good one, but like. I don't, the shelf lives are just so freaking short. And as much as I just talked about wide receivers and not being afraid of age with running backs, I definitely am like that cliff is for real. Um, so those, those top four guys for me um, are, are just locked and loaded, but I got Kamara at two. We haven't even mentioned him on your list yet. So what, what's your thoughts, Jake on not having old uh, AK 41 in there. So where do I got him here? Uh, RB eight for me, Alvin Kamara. It, and here's my main concern with Alvin Kamara. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know how much of his success, his career was propelled by Drew Brees being under center. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kamara saw nine targets per game in 2020 before Brees got hurt. That is insane for a running back. <laughs> nine targets per game. Get out of here. You wish your wide receiver one was getting nine targets per game. <laughs> Kamara saw less than four targets per game in three of the four games with Brees inactive. And two of those games were against the putrid Atlanta Falcons defense. Uh, I know that Taysom Hill had a lot to play in that. We don't know if Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback. But all these questions, these are reasons that I'm not so eager to rank Alvin Kamara as high. You know, I think Drew Brees' late career playing style, that dump-off playing style, played an enormous part in making Alvin Kamara one of the elite running backs in fantasy football over the past couple years. He just he relies so largely on that receiving work to produce top-five RB numbers. You know, you're not getting... 100 yard rushing games from Alvin Kamara. You're getting 60 yards, 70 yards. I mean, 40 yards sometimes. Uh, his his 90 his 932 rush yards this season. That was his first time ever topping 900 rushing yards in his career. You know, and on, on top of that, his 187 carries this season was 15th among running backs, and and that's despite the Saints averaging the fourth most run plays per game. They were running the ball 31 times per game. They're running the ball a ton, but the fact that he's splitting these carries with Latavius Murray, who saw double-digit carries in half of his games in 2020, that's problematic for me, too. Um, And I don't know what Latavius Murray's future is in New Orleans, but again, that's just another question that I have to ask myself. And some of the guys that I've named before Kamara, I don't have to ask as many questions. I know what I'm getting out of them already. And the rushing production isn't such a question mark. Yeah, and I think if you you believe in Alvin Kamara then this is the time to buy him before the quarterback situation gets worked out. Because if it's Taysom Hill, I'm looking at Kamara like this. He just signed a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. I think even, even Mr. Insanity, Sean Payton, it'll take maybe one year of this Taysom Hill crap for him to eventually just move on. So he, I think even if... I don't if, know, man. He, I, I mean, he loves Taysom Hill. I, like, I he don't... Has- he has him over for holidays and he sends him Christmas cards. Eventually that Taysom Hill is actually in his Christmas card. There you go. That's probably spot on. But I think the wins will need to be there for him to continue this madness. And I just don't see that happening. My hope as an Alan Kamar owner of either somebody who already has him rostered or looking to acquire him is that it's Jameis Winston under center, who's been there for a year in the system. Pretty much anyone but Taysom Hill. But if I acquire Kamara now, I, that's an investment for 2022 because I think then his quarterback situation will get rectified at that point. And I'm still okay figuring that Kamara is going to be maybe a low end one instead of a high end one, because the dude just catches so many damn passes. Like they can't keep him out of the offense forever. Um, you know, as much as Hill was, you know, not passing the ball to him, I think that would correct itself a little bit, come back more towards the medium um, a bit. But I, I think Kamara is just, I love the fact, you know, that he's, a, I believe he's 26, but when you're that involved in the passing game and you don't have, you know, 280 carries a season, like I think he can last a little bit longer than some of these other running backs. Like Zeke is, he's coming towards the cliff. I think, I think Dalvin cook is approaching that cliff as well. We all know Derrick Henry 
is somehow I he's like Derrick Henry is like freaking Indiana Jones. He didn't even throw the sand. He just ran out there. He's like in the middle of nowhere, but there's a bridge and he's still standing, right? Like comparison, Indiana Jones. <laughs> so the, with these guys, you know that they have a shelf life, but I think Kamara is just a guy that I think can last longer. And that's why he's still in my elite tier. All right, we gave you our one through six, seven through 12 at the running back position. I've got Ezekiel Elliott. There's your boy, Alvin Kamara, followed by Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, a big bunch of rookies right there, and then Miles Sanders to, to cap it all off. Uh, over onto Kyle's side, we've got Dalvin Cook at number seven, followed by Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, C.E.H., and Miles Sanders. So we might as well just rip the Band-Aid off right here because this is a big topic, I think, when I see people talking about their running back rankings for Dynasty. It's what do you do with Derrick Henry? And I'm on team. I don't want him, I don't want him on my roster. Um, I view Derrick Henry very similar to how I view Tyreek Hill for Dynasty purposes, which is a weird comparison given the two very different body types. Uh, but I, I believe he's 27 now, and this will be his age 28 season coming up for Derrick Henry. And again, like Hill, I think Derrick Henry's collapse is going to be quick, and I think it's going to be steep. It's going to be brutal. Do I think the collapse starts in 2021? No, but I think, you know, as soon as 2022, I'm super concerned. Uh, he was, Yeah, he was used lightly for the fir- his first couple years in the league. Uh, but he's coming off 380 carries this season, 100 more than Josh Jacobs, who was third in carries in the NFL, 300 carries the season prior, 400 attempts as a junior at Alabama. Uh, I guess the question at this point is just how long do we expect Derrick Henry to remain so durable, regardless of, of having the most demanding workload for a running back in the league? You know, and even, you know, you look at the loss of Arthur Smith, uh, will that have an impact on his workload? You know, and I'll, I'll ask the same question as I did with the receivers. So, you know, maybe this is just a good way that I look at dynasty football or dynasty fantasy football is in two years, you know, who will be the more valuable asset? I think that's a nice way to look about it because, you know, you look into next year. That's when people, you know, if you want to start kicking the tires on a Derrick Henry trade, the guy that you're talking to, he's looking into next year. So you might as well be two years ahead. So, you know, two years ahead. Do you want Derrick Henry or do you want uh, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins? any of these guys that I have on the list, you know, in that similar area to where you have Derrick Henry, but I want the upside of these 22 year old playmakers, these diverse playmakers, some of which can even catch the ball, which, you know, we don't know yet if Derrick Henry can do. Well, he had a career high in catches there, Jake. So I think he just needed to pump the brakes, bro. So some respect on the man's name. So here, if you, if you draft in your startup, if you draft Antonio Gibson over Derrick Henry in two years, you will probably have Antonio Gibson as your starting running back. If you draft Derrick Henry, you will have who the hell knows at running back position, but you might have a championship sitting on, you know, on your on your mantle. So for me, this running back position gets ugly quick. And after Swift, I'm really not thrilled about any of these guys. Even so, even these rookies are probably going to go earlier than I will take them. Mm-hmm. So Derrick Henry is a guy that I think he is such a difference maker in just 2021 alone that I'm willing to put him here and not play that little roulette game of uh, will these guys last? I mean, this I, we could have a whole damn podcast just on these sophomore running backs now because sure. the class was really fun. Like it was, it was a, it was a really awesome class. And hopefully some of these guys like Dobbins and acres and, and Gibson, like really even take that next step. Right. Uh, especially acres and Gibson that took them a little bit while to get, sorry, Dobbins and acres took a little bit to get going, but they were studs. Right. I think that, um, you know, you can look, I mean, just look back just a couple of years, man. And this position just changes so quickly. I mean, we were probably talking about Leonard Fournette in the same vein just a couple of years ago. And the dude could, be, could couldn't even stay on a roster. Yeah. Like, and he's still young, you know, and he's, you know, he got it done the Super Bowl and that's great. And I'm happy for him and he's playoff Lenny now. And that's hilarious. But like, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I'm just, I'm investing in those first four guys, maybe Swift. And then beyond that, I'll just take a bunch of guys in the middle and just see what happens. But um, I really do like these what the places where I have these rookie backs. I really I dig it, but I just don't know if I value them enough to just be like, oh man, Derrick Henry is a top five guy for me in 2021. Like I think I'm just going to take the chance. But uh, that that's just me, I guess. Maybe it's just me hating running backs altogether. <laughs> 
I do have like a separate tier at the bottom of my rankings there where those sophomore running backs come in and I had a re- I had real trouble trying to figure out who I wanted to rank above above one another. Does one of these guys stand out among the rest to you between Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins? Because I got them just smashed into a tier and they're punching and scrapping and trying to figure out who's going to be uh, ahead. Right now, I've got Gibson leading the way. Yeah, I would probably, um, and I did rank these all the way. I have these guys ranked. I have Gibson, I have Dobbins at 13, Gibson at 20, and where the heck do I have Cam Akers? I have Cam Akers at 21. So like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I There's a sound. So I like Dobbins the best from a talent standpoint. Like I do, I, I think he is the best running back, but Again, now that I'll go back and refresh my rankings, like I should probably have Gibson higher because he's just, I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that's, Dobbins that's just big, not going to catch the big it thing, The big thing, right, with Gibson, like he checks all those boxes as a runner, as a pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, just 22 years old, the dude has 800 yards and 11 touchdowns. In mm-hmm. it. I think he just gets lost in this group of Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, guys who are already in the top 10. And I think Gibson is just such a, he's a diamond in the rough, really. Yeah. And I think the, the most interesting name right now might be Cam Akers of that group who I would, I would put third. You have right there in the middle. Um, He could be like he, his range of outcomes, I think are, are much wider than the other two. Like if Akers gets, you know, 75% of what that Rams running back generally does. Holy crap. Watch out, dude. But like, you know, I just, I'm just not as sure. Like if DK Dobbins was in LA with Sean McVay, I'd be like top 10, you know, book it. Um, But I just don't, I'm not, I just don't feel as confident yet um, in acres or the fact that maybe the Rams slide back. And for some reason, let Malcolm Brown still see touches like, you know, so we will, we will see. But again, all these sophomore running backs are, are a lot really fun to have on your roster right now because they pretty much all hit except, Keyshawn Vaughn, like I mean, everybody oh, was was solid, dude. Like just, just think about. It. I mean, even Gibson made his way into that conversation, and James Robinson, who aren't he isn't in our top twelves, but like he is being valued as an RB one in in a lot of places. Like uh, this this running back class has you know lived up to the hype over the last few years of having to hear about all this. <laughs> I'll add that too. If there's one last thing that I'll say to wrap up the running back position, James Robinson, the top 10 for dynasty. Come on people. This, this position is so oversaturated with talent. It's actually surprising that James Robinson was even the guy in Jacksonville this year. He was just kind of the process of elimination and he was fantastic this year and I was shitting on him all year. And you know, he shat back on me (laughs) in, 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 in fantasy scoring, but uh, you know what? I, I think he's going to end up being more of a one-hit wonder than anything. I, you know, I don't. I, I, we'll see if that comes back to bite me. But I'm not in on James Robinson at all. I, I think Robinson, like, and like, if I was comparing him as an example to like Derrick Henry, right? Robinson's super young. He's only entering his second year. I think he is set up for a phenomenal 2021. Still, Jacksonville has so many freaking holes. Why would you spend anything on the running back position? But like, again, comparing it to Derrick Henry, like, what happens if? the Jags fill a bunch of those slots. And then like, you know what? We want somebody a little bit more juice at that, you know, at our running backs when they add another mouth. Like, I think, you know, that's the worry I have with him, you know, and, and any running back, but especially somebody with just no draft capital. He's in a good spot because there's very little chance. I think that they invest heavily in that position, you know, as competition, but um, I have him ranked right around 15th. And that's because I think he might, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him maybe as like a one more year kind of guy. Um, you know, and I hope I hope he proves me wrong because he's been a great story. But I just don't. Uh, not too often you see guys like that get it done for a long period of time. All right. Well, let's move on to the tight end position. Kyle, you want to tell me who's the tight end one? <laughs> it's Travis Kelsey, man. I don't care how old the dude is. He's a freaking monster. He the dudes the dude outscored the tight end three by a hundred points. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, get out of here with this noise. Yeah, we already discussed it recently in our lessons learned show. You can go back and check that out if you have not already. But it is pretty much Travis Kelsey or bust. I think that goes for redraft. I think it for the most part goes for dynasty. Uh, but he's going to score twice as many points as the tight end for. I don't care that he's going to be 32 this season. If you own Travis Kelsey, especially in tight end premium leagues, you know that's just one of those players that uh, I was talking to before, Kyle. You just ride him off into the sunset. Just enjoy all the points that you're going to get from Travis Kelsey from now through the end of his career. I'm not trying to sell high on any of his ridiculous statistical seasons. It's just 
Travis Kelsey, tight end one, but probably until he retires mm-hmm. or until uh, Kyle Pitts enters the league. But I'm getting ahead of myself right now. Let's go through the top six dynasty tight ends on my side. I got Travis Kelsey, followed by George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and Mark Andrews. Uh, Kyle, you've got Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, and Kyle Pitts. So the exact same six tight ends just kind of shuffled around in the order. Um, we don't have to talk too much about these guys. Just, just real quick, you know, someone like, you know, give me, give me your vibe on TJ Hawkinson. Cause this was supposed to be the Kyle Pitts. You know, this was the dominant tight end coming into the league before it was Kyle Pitts. And we haven't really seen that yet. Now he's got Jared Goff throwing him the ball. What's your vibe on TJ? Yeah. And unfortunately I just, and you know, these tight ends do take time to develop, but I just don't know that he will break into that tier of three. Like the reason I have Waller at three is just because I think he is an absolute difference maker at the position. We've seen it in Oakland or folk in Vegas now too, uh, that he sees a ton of targets and he is just a, he's a complete freak. Hawkinson, while very, very good, I just don't think has enough around, you know, as far as his quarterback situation goes, and just him by himself, like I just don't know if he can make that leap into the elite. And if you're not in the elite at tight end, I won't be seeing you. Like yeah, it is yeah, literally exactly right because he he was third in yards among tight ends, right? Mm-hmm. Third, and you think, oh great, I'll take the tight end three in yards, <laughs> seven hundred and twenty-three yards though. It's yeah, like, oh. he he hit him and Mark Andrews are very similar to me in that you know they will be they will be top five tight ends probably the majority of their career. Uh, they need those huge touchdown numbers probably to make up the gap that Kittle and Kelsey will be putting up 1,200 yards a season. Uh, and I just don't see that happening. So for me, that the difference between Hawkinson at four and, you know, somebody for me, I have Noah Fant at nine. Like, okay, I have Mike Asiki at 12. Not that far apart, you know, when you're talking about a startup and I got to take Hawkinson around four or I could just wait until round, you know, eight or nine to pick up Gasicki. Like, I'm doing that, you know? Uh, this Kyle Pitts guy who's coming into the league, like it's very rare that we can put someone into our top 12 rankings and they haven't played a snap in the NFL yet, but this is that dude. 770 yards, 12 touchdowns in just eight games this season as a tight end. He's going to get drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. I don't think he's landing spot dependent at all. Uh, whoever puts in the draft capital, you, you'd hope is going to utilize the guy uh, to, to the best of his ability. But you talk about how impressive Darren Waller is as a receiver and, you know, the size speed guy. Boy, th- if that's not Kyle Pitts 10 times over. And that's what the note I have here is I do view Kyle Pitts as like a better version of Darren Waller. And if he lands in the right system, it's wheels up, man. He's going to f- he's going to fly up that chart. What do I have him at right now? T- uh, tight end five. Watch out, TJ Hawkinson, because your, your job is not safe, my friend. Uh, I agree. I I have him at six only because I'm waiting for that landing spot. That's it. And and you mentioned like the team that spends the draft capital on him will use him. The Cleveland Browns just paid Austin <laughs> Hooper to be the highest paid tight end in the entire league and didn't use him for shit. So sure. like, I really hope that it, that everything everything just lands smooth. We get to go. Pitts is definitely he's already top six. He is a he is the best part is not only could he be Darren Waller, which is awesome, is that we will get Kyle Pitts at rookie Darren Waller, not Darren Waller that we needed to wait until he was 27 or 28 to start hitting just due to what he had to overcome. And he's a freaking phenomenal story. And I've loved watching him. So to see another guy like him coming in, I'm extremely excited. And he will hopefully be in that top tier where it's now four guys and Kyle Pitts is a difference maker. And I don't mind taking this shot on him over some of the you know, okay, yeah, 700 yards and six touchdowns. That doesn't do anything for me, you know? What do you hope for as far as like a landing spot? Because in my mind, I keep picturing him in an Arizona Cardinals jersey catching passes from Kyler Murray, and it looks really, really good. Uh, I haven't given, I actually haven't given it too much thought, I guess. I, I wanted, I probably, I probably have to go back and see, you know, who's in the best position. And who needs uh, a tight end? To draft him. I mean, uh, the only team that drafts tight ends early is the Lions. So, you know, <laughs> we know that won't happen. There you go, Jerry. We don't know that. They might. <laughs> so, well, I, I don't know. I honestly haven't given it too much thought. I think he could. He should be able to do it anywhere. Um, you know, and teams should be able to utilize him because he is 
he's um, he's a freak, man, and there's no other way to put it. And he's a he's a matchup nightmare. So I think he needs to he needs to be here already before we even know where he's gonna what what jersey is gonna be donning on uh, kickoff weekend. Going through tight ends seven through twelve on my list, I have Dallas Goddard followed by Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Evan Ingram, Mike Gesicki, and Jonu Smith. Kyle has an appearance from Irv Smith coming in at number seven, followed by Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, Zach Ertz. He's still hanging in there. He's alive, baby. Uh, Followed by Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki. Kyle, tell me something real quick about Zach Ertz because I could not fit him into my top 12. Zach Ertz is is roughly the same age. I think he's six months younger, actually, than Travis Kelsey. Oh, we can't do that. No, no, that's one thing. (laughs) I, I don't think the dude's done yet. I still think he is talented enough to put up the same type of numbers as these other guys um, that are in this tier. He was in that Uber tier, you know, a few years back that obviously went away. Um, but I, I think if he lands somewhere where he's, you know, he's going to see targets, he still has the ability to put up the same number type of numbers as a, you know, as Dallas Goddard, as Mark Andrews, as TJ Hawkinson, like, I'm and the price is way cheaper, so like I'm trying to pick him up where I can. He the guys after him, I, I do like Gasicki a little bit more. I, he would probably be really it'd probably be, actually be tough for me to take Ertz over Gasicki, but behind that, like the in my list, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, Logan Thomas, Austin Hooper. Like I don't want those guys. Like I don't I don't want any of that anything to do with that. Like Austin Hooper is getting so much hate on this I, show, man. I, I, I will take I'll take Zach Ertz still as a borderline tight end one and just see if he's got one little run in him left. Like, you know, I don't I don't think he's completely over the hill done. I just think he's dealing with some injuries, dealing with a really bad situation there in Philadelphia as far as how that offense was rolling. And really the second half of twenty nineteen, he was really good. I mean, he was still really freaking good. So I mean, I, I don't think it's that far removed. It it seems like forever ago, but you know, just twelve months, I, I still think he's valuable enough to have in your side your top 12 yeah someone with zach Ertz, someone like zach Ertz, i don't know man just just kind of screams diminishing returns to me I, I just don't see any landing spot where he's able to have that career resurrection resurgence that brings him back to you know 100 plus targets uh 70 plus receptions um, I have heard people kicking around the idea of Ertz to the Colts, you know, reunited with Carson Wentz. So maybe that scenario keeps him alive and gives him fantasy value. But other than that, wouldn't you rather have a guy that I've got on my list that you don't have on yours? Have you forgotten about Evan Ingram? No, I have not. I hate Evan Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> not, not only have I not forgotten, I despise the man. The dude has had nothing but opportunity and he's just done nothing. And oh, I'm just, that's not true. I, I he am, hasn't done nothing. He had like what? 70 catches last year. I mean, and it's the dude still just the yardage has not been there. The name outweighs the value, what you're going to see from him week in and week out. Like I, I just, I will never find myself drafting Evan Ingram ever again. I've been burned way too many times trying to buy into the fact that he is this. That's, where the, that's where the value lies. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you hear Kyle burn too many times. He <laughs> was burned too many times. He had, he had Evan Ingram on his team, knowing that Evan Ingram was this very talented tight end, knowing that he was going to soak up targets in this league. 109 targets last year. That was fourth in the league. You know, he played. 16, yeah, he people listen. He played 16 games and that was everyone's big concern heading into 2020 was can he even be on the field for an entire season? You know, and, you know, nowadays, no one wants to even rank Evan Ingram among the top 12 dynasty tight ends. Kyle included. Where did he finish last year? <laughs> fourth in targets. Was he? He was like tight end like 18. Uh, meanwhile, listen, he was, he was practically as good as TJ Hawkinson last season. In fact, what TJ Hawkinson did this year, Evan Ingram did that as a rookie. TJ Hawkinson's stats this year, 67 catches, 720 yards, six touchdowns. Evan Ingram in 2017, 64 catches, 722 yards, six touchdowns. Why are we all in on Hawkinson? No one has a problem making TJ Hawkinson a top five. He's going to be a consensus top five tight end on everyone's rankings, but no one wants anything to do with Evan Ingram, who's still seeing over 100 targets. Just wait. This New York Giants offense, they're on the up and up. I'm not selling on Evan Ingram. I'm holding, folks. Hold. There's nowhere to go but up. That offense was complete and utter trash last year. And I much love for my buddy Memphis, but 
I'm not buying into the Jason Garrett thing. The dude didn't really run an offense for years. Uh, so I know I'm going to get a text from him and I, ca- I can't wait. And I am on team Daniel Jones still, but I- Ingram was the only mouth to feed there and he still couldn't get it done. Saquon Barkley's come back. They got to add somebody else as the alpha wide receiver one. And they're still going to have Sterling Shepard and Slayton there. There's just too, too much, too much else going on. Ingram get, had his opportunity to, to show that he Look, be an I alpha. had the same logic with Darren Waller last season. I said, they're bringing in receivers. I said, Josh Jacobs is going to catch the ball more. You know what? He did, right? Technically. Waller, yeah, maybe he did. But no, Darren Waller was excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. But uh I I I get it. Like I have Ingram, I have Ingram at 13. So yes, he did not make my top 12. Oh. I, so but I and and as far as the value, I told like what I take, you know, these are just and if you tier these guys out, especially you'll be able to tell the difference. But like would I take TJ Hawkinson again in the fourth round or Evan Ingram in round? nine i'm taking evan ingram right like i i totally they're not that far apart like as far as the tiers go they're honestly it's probably just one tier difference between you know hawkinson andrews Pitts, and then after that like seven through freaking 15 could all be in one tier like i do not care um but somebody will take evan ingram ahead of me so that's something else that's something else important that we should bring up like the fact that i have cd lamb ranked as my number one dynasty wide receiver in this startup dynasty episode that we're putting out there that doesn't mean go out and take C.D. Lamb with the seventh overall pick because chances are the people you're drafting with, C.D. Lamb might not even go until the third round. So go ahead. Take your Tyreek Hill. He'll be garbage in two years, but you can draft <laughs> Tyreek Hill in the first round. You can circle around and grab a running back, and then you can take C.D. Lamb in the next round. But yeah, you're going to love those returns on C.D. Lamb's all I'm saying. Oh man, I I'm I'm gonna we, we need receipts on this because when Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill is is going off still in 2023 or whatever, I'm gonna be uh, hitting you up here on this very podcast. Hopefully, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, we got a few minutes left here to talk some quarterbacks circling around to the the uh, big boy position here. We get kicked off with the first six. That's gonna be Patrick Mahomes kicking it off, followed by Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. And Justin Herbert. For Kyle, he's going to also start with Patrick Mahomes. Nice call. Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, what's more obvious? Mahomes is QB1 or Kelsey is tight end one? Uh, I think Mahomes at yeah. QB1 has to be the most obvious because he's probably the, he is the 101 in, in startups, uh, you know, in Superflex. So, yeah, the, the dude is just, you know, he's he's paired with Andy Reid and that's all he needs. And he's got a new new shiny contract um, within the last year, too. So, you know, he's going to be there. How about Kyler Murray, man? My QB two and Kyle's QB six. We talked about how, how necessary it is to roster the Konami quarterback. Did we not, Kyle? Uh, for, from weeks one through ten, mind you, the majority of the season, Kyler was averaging 30, 30 fantasy points per game he was qb1 in fantasy football over that period of time he was averaging just over a rushing touchdown per game over that period of time uh and then the back half of the season weeks 11 through 17 he gives you just one total rushing touchdown the rushing fell completely off uh but the fact that kyler is every bit of the rusher that lamar jackson is maybe to a degree lamar jackson's a a rather dynamic player but uh, along with you know that and being a 67% passer you know kind of leaves me no choice that combined with his youth to make him this the second most valuable quarterback in dynasty just behind Pat Mahomes what do you think of this guy yeah i have him at 6 i and again speaking tier speaking in tiers here mahomes is all by himself no one like he i don't even know like in the spreadsheet if i can even move him i think he's just locked in there but two for me two through two through six are in their own tier. So Watson, Prescott, Allen, Jackson, and Kyler Murray. Um, Allen Jackson's a somebody, right? It sounds like a country singer if I heard, if I ever thought of one, but anyway. Yeah, I love the (laughs) blues record. So for me, I totally, like I own Kyler Murray. So here's my own dilemma. and And I know that someone is probably listening to this that's in that league. I have a league where my QB2 is no one. Like it is literally super flex, meaning I've been flexing someone else probably. Uh, in 2021, because I just couldn't get that position addressed, and I just rode with Philip Rivers all last year, and that was fine. I, you know, had a good season, 
my QB one is Kyler Murray. Like I want to trade Kyler Murray away to, probably to try to get two, but I'm like, I'm ta- I'm probably taking a loss because whatever two guys I can get, do they even equal Kyler Murray? Like I'll, you know, I'll like, answer that for you. A Baker Mayfield plus a Kirk Cousins does not equal yes, a Kyler Murray. Exactly. So I'm I'm I love I, I love owning him. Like the rushing at the end of the year, that was definitely injury related. Um, you know, so I don't think you can have any concerns with that. You know, we you see what happens when it goes away um, for sure. But that could be that's any quarterback. So, um, you know, all these guys, Dak doesn't run a ton. You know, he's but he does get rushing touchdowns, which, uh, you know, he's he's pretty good for at least four to six of those a year. So that offsets the fact that he doesn't necessarily rush for, you know, 500 yards. But the rest of these guys all move around really well. And, you know, the, these are my first six in a super flex startup, like without even batting an eye, like I'm not even toggling to other positions. Like these are my guys. So, um, you know, t- two through six are in a, in a tier, but yeah, these it's all locked and loaded. You and I are both rather bullish on Deshaun Watson, d- despite, you know, the, the ongoing discussions with him and the Texans, but uh, he's coming off a career season despite losing DeAndre Hopkins, 70% completion, 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, all career highs. Um, you've got him ranked right now as the number two quarterback as a Texan. So I'm curious, how far can he fall down your rankings? Like, what's the worst case scenario? What's the disaster ripcord for Deshaun Watson that plummets him down your rankings? Or is that even a thing? I mean, if if he got traded to the Jets and then the Jets sent out a press release right afterwards saying, JK, Adam Gase still works here, then... <laughs> He would probably fall to six, but like even then, I'm still buying in. Watson's an absolute monster. He can do it with any weapons around him. Um, his weapons last year were still good. Like it wasn't Hopkins, but Cooks and Fuller played well. Um, so I, I think Watson, as long as he's a Texan, he's two. If he's anywhere else, he's still in my top six um, without any issue. Uh, it gets super young, and you know he's he's a beast. One last thing I want to touch on here. I thought it was interesting. We both did put Trevor Lawrence in our rankings. So another guy who hasn't taken an NFL snap yet. Um, But I have Joe Burrow ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and you have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Joe Burrow. Uh, So real quick, you know, with with Joe Burrow, I'm just trusting that the Cincinnati medical staff, they're really going to just take their time, do the right thing with their franchise quarterback. um, and, And then whether or not he's ready for the 2021 season, I mean, I don't know how you can come away from his his rookie debut without being impressed by what you saw. Aside from a bad performance in Pittsburgh in Week 10, Burrow was completing just under 70% of his passes, 68% of his passes as a rookie, despite having to run for his life behind that terrible offensive line. Uh, he was giving you 268 pass yards per game, more than Aaron Rodgers. That's more than Russell Wilson. If the front office is able to execute this draft, and that's a big if, uh, they'll improve the offensive line. They'll add to an already incredible T. Higgins and give Burroughs some more reliable receiving threats. Uh, and all of that, those things seem likely to me. And I think that all points to Joe Burrow being a fantasy monster for the next, you know, the foreseeable future. As for Trevor Lawrence, he's been touted as the best quarterback in his class since his freshman year at Clemson. He's been praised for his NFL-ready mechanics and has drawn that uh, Andrew Luck comparison more than once, I think mostly speaking to how NFL-ready he is as a prospect. Uh, but he is, at this point, practically a sure thing to go to Jacksonville first overall, join Urban Meyer in Jacksonville as they start their 2021 rebuild. But what is it about Trevor Lawrence that you prefer to Joe Burrow? Or is this another one that I'm kind of just nitpicking your rankings? Because you do have them like side by side. But I'm curious if there was some trait that Lawrence possessed that you were like, you know what? Or are you scared about the Burrow injury? What's the deal? I I think for me, and we saw, I think he answered a lot of questions. Burrow did last year. Like he was a one-year starter on a really good team with some of the best weapons in football, uh, in college football. And he came to the NFL and was was blessed as far as from the wide receivers he was able to throw to and having Joe Mixon now the offensive line, like you mentioned, left some to be desired. But he answered a lot of those questions. For me, though, just the pedigree of Trevor Lawrence and how much he is touted by, uh, has been touted for years, ever since he broke onto the scene in college football, he has been the quarterback, right? Like there's no one else has been able to compete with him uh, as far as evaluation and coming into the NFL. So I'm still putting him, you know, Ahead, I'm putting him ahead of Burrow based off of that pretty much. The landing spots for both teams, you know, being in Jacksonville versus Cincy, 
Both teams are kind of trash. You know, the defenses are going to be bad. I'm going to I'm be buying Lawrence just as much as I was buying Burrow last year in redraft leagues, even because he's going to have to throw the ball a ton. And Burrow was, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was on pace to throw the most pass attempts by like far, like not even, not even close. So I think, you know, there's definitely upside for Burrow as long as he's, uh, in 2021 even, as long as he's ready to go in that first few weeks. But they're very, very close. You know, I definitely am taking both of those guys ahead of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the Matthew Staffords, uh, you know, Carson, any of the older guys. Like, I, I think it's worth taking a shot on those younger rookies. And when I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence, especially right now, I'm looking at like, hey, I own the 101. Would I, would I trade that 101 straight up for Joe Burrow? And I don't think I would. Like, I would, I would probably just keep it, take Trevor Lawrence. That's the way you should be looking at it right now and that's even like it's tough to say like when i'm seeing these startup drafts right now and trevor lawrence is being taken very early i'm like man like are we really taking him in the first round i'm like all right or would you trade you know like i would take mccaffrey over him right i'm taking tyree kill but like travis kelsey am i taking trevor lawrence or travis kelsey like you know and it's just yeah and it's just it's crazy when you have the 101 now you know it's that's gold this year so and superflex especially so it, it's it's fun. There's a lot of young names on this list. It's real. It has been uh, it's been awesome to see these QBs coming in. But if you don't have one of those guys, man, whew, like that cutoff <laughs> for me is right there at ten with Joe Burrow. Like if if you don't have one of those guys, it's it's an uphill battle for sure in super flex leagues to to overcome the fact that you know at, at least eight to ten teams in your league will be dominating you at QB one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's all I've got. Uh, uh, Kyle Month 8, you want to sign off here? <laughs> yeah, I, I will. You can follow me on Twitter, at Kyle Month 8. That's Kyle August, by the way. So, at Kyle Month, number oh, 8 clever, on Twitter. Clever. Uh, break, breaking news. You can follow Jake at JakeTakesFF. You can follow the show at FF Smackdown Pod. I might start using that Twitter handle again one day, but you just follow it anyway. It's cool. Stay subscribed to The War Zone. We're going to be back next week. I know The War Zone guys are, are here on this feed Wednesday. Uh, covering the rest of their uh, sweethearts and breakup teams. So always good stuff from the DWZ Football Network. So you guys take it easy, stay safe, and we'll be right back here next week. Take it easy. See you.